following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Tuesday, November the 12th, 2019, and we are back for another live episode of Full Press Coverage Radio Live here on Full Press Radio and Sportscaster.com. I am Ian Glendon, and as always, I am joined by voice only by Mr. Mike DeBite. Mike, how are we doing today? Uh, back among the living, my friend. Uh, yeah, it took a little, uh, couple of day hiatus. See, it, see, Ian and I are such Patriots honks that we wanted to take our bye week <laughs> at the same time the Patriots did. So took a couple of days off and it worked out to the advantage. Yeah. It, you know, it, it was very convenient. You know, we, we decided we needed to take a bye week. We had a, a, a an extended weekend to celebrate, uh, you know, first off, uh, thank you to all the veterans out there. Obviously it is, yesterday was veterans day and we were not on air yesterday, so we weren't able to show our appreciation appropriately, at least through the show. So we want to say thank you for that. And uh, again, we decided we wanted to take a couple extra days off. But uh, be- between the two of us being a little bit under the weather for, uh, you, know, you know, just wanted to be on air constantly. You know, sometimes that takes a toll and it did this weekend. So I'm I'm back though. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm refreshed. And, and I have my coffee, as you can see. Little, uh, Absolutely. Patri- Patriots cup. You got to love it. I mean, I, yep. <laughs> No, yeah, hey, look, he's he comes prepared. It he comes prepared, ladies and gentlemen. It's all it's all good. We gotta we gotta rep the gotta rep the six one seven. Even though he's down in sunny Florida in seventy degrees, That's and right. here I am in the northeast, and we're about to get eighteen degree temperatures tomorrow, folks. So if you're in the north, bundle up. It is gonna be cold. Arctic blast all over the northern part of the state and uh, northern part of the country, really. So it's uh, yeah, really uh, interesting times here in New England, north part of the country. Yeah, it it is uh it is definitely my time to shine when it's uh, when it comes to uh peeing down here and at this time of the year, especially especially when you don't have necessarily a great working air conditioner in your car. Uh this is definitely the time where it's nice to drive with your windows down and the sunroof open. Speaking of which, speaking of which, I I, I got a little bad news over the weekend or over the last week. I uh I basically got the um my car's walking the green mile right now. Let's 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 put it that oh. way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, look it's a you know it's 2002. I love the car. It's an Infiniti. I, you know, it's my it's, it's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I got the uh, it's going to cost too much to fix than it's worth uh, call from the mechanic. So you know I'm uh, unfortunately going to be in the market for a new car uh, at, at least until this one you know like I said croaks. I, I I think it's got some time. It's got a few appeals uh, yet to go. So <laughs> fortunately the, um, the 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 car will be uh, drivable for for the foreseeable future. However, it is uh, definitely on its last legs, as they say. It's basically, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 playing until it's forty five right now. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. But unlike 
a certain quarterback in a certain town that we both know and love, uh, your car's starting to show its age a little yes. bit. The other is pretty much still playing at a high level. So, uh, But I've got the perfect plan for you, my friend. And, you know, I'm always looking out for your best interest. You're like a brother to me, so I always got to look out for you. I always got to make sure that you are well taken care of. I got the perfect plan to get you into new wheels, my friend. See what you have to start doing. Go outside, 70 degrees, perfect day for it. Mm-hmm. Find, a, find a set of uprights. I don't know where you're going to find them, but find a set of uprights. Start practicing your kicks. Bill Belichick gives you a little ringy ding ah. on the phone, signs you to a deal. You go into the Super Bowl, make a clutch kick, Super Bowl MVP, brand new car for Ian Glendon. There we go. Thank you. You're very, very welcome, my friend, and you'll be all set, and now you'll have a new set of wheels. So I think we're all set. I think we're good. Cool. That, to me, is the foolproof plan. Well, except for the minor, minor thing thing about um yesterday i went to the gym for the first time in like two weeks and i was in so much pain yesterday not like good pain but like oh you're old you did way too much you should have taken it a lot easier pain yesterday so uh (laughs) if i go out there and try to kick that that might just just be the end of me you know (laughs) you gotta play through it one one kick and then that's it you know tear tear my just body just not a particular muscle just everything everything tears and, and that's <laughs> it and i just flop down like i'm you know it's some boneless body it just that's it that's it I, I i cease to exist and you'll have to you know shovel me around wherever you have to go but no i i equate my uh my car right now as to uh, john elway in his last couple of years i mean he you know, obviously lumbering around a little bit not quite the same guy but still a championship performer and uh you know that's right. that's that's what i love about my car so uh look Usually when we're on Mondays, we we do our what did we learn, and I, I think we actually learned a lot this weekend, uh, but since it is Tuesday, we also have a Monday night football game to recap, and, and what a game. And and look, I understand Russell Wilson was saying this is one of the games that, you know, one of the most exciting back-and-forth games he's ever been a part of. I think he's conveniently forgetting about Super Bowls, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut him some slack here because, <laughs> again, if I was him, I, I'd probably want to forget about Super Bowl Forty Nine as well. Um but last night's game was just, it was fantastic. It was entertaining as hell, back and forth. Um, I, my initial impressions, and I said yesterday uh, during, or Sunday morning during the uh, full press coverage uh, pregame show here on Sportscaster, that I thought that Russell Wilson was going to go out and, and win the MVP last night. I thought that this was going to be his signature moment this season where he kind of takes that conversation over and whatever. And look, let's be honest. You know, we're only 10 weeks into the season. It's kind of ridiculous to be sitting here talking about MVP because, you know, if we remember, Derek Carr was MVP candidate, leading candidate about this time in 2016. So things can change very uh, quickly. Um, I don't... I, I think he did help his case... Um, I, I, I think there is I, I think it was kind of ridiculous for people uh, before he even played to start saying Lamar Jackson was now the new front runner. It just kind of speaks to how ridiculous and and and, and kind of stupid the whole debate is really and how people yeah. just kind of go with the wind. I um, I was trying to find the clip last night and I, just, I didn't really work too hard because I'm sure I could have found it. But if you remember the, the global warming episode of South Park where everyone starts running out of the uh, the stadium because global warming's coming. And they start running one direction. They're like, oh, no, here comes global warming. It's coming that way. And then they start running the other <laughs> section, other way. So to me, that that's kind of like the mob mentality when it comes to, like, literally almost like quarter by quarter. But in reality, it's game by game. People are just jumping from one player to the next. Like, I got to ask you, like, 
where were the people two weeks ago that were saying Aaron Rodgers was front runner for MVP? <laughs> they they've kind of just silently, you know, stepped into the background and just kind of ignored like that whole like instant reaction ever ever took place there, which again I said at the time was incredibly ridiculous. But I'm getting off the point a little bit. The point is, I think Russell Wilson did a a, a admirable job last night. I think he was really good at at key moments. Um, I don't think he necessarily put a a a stamp on the MVP award. I I do think, you know, had he not thrown that interception and went down and won that game, I think I would have been a lot more, you know, emphatic about my initial impression, and that was, you know, he was going to win that MVP this year, or he was going to win the MVP in this game. You know, obviously being such a big moment against a division rival. Um, I, I think it still opens the door. I think Lamar Jackson is making a, a pretty good case for himself, uh, just the way he's played the last couple of weeks, where the team's at, kind of his expectations overall. Uh, however, I, I do think it's still Russell Wilson's to lose at this point. And, uh, you know, look, I, at the end of the day, like, he got opportunities. <laughs> and here's the thing. And I, and I was laughing, and if anyone saw me on Twitter last night, I was being incredibly snarky. I mean, let's... let's oh, I'll be honest, I just, I, I was, that's kind of what my theme was last night, and uh, I thought there was too many chances in overtime last night. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, people complain <laughs> about one team not getting a chance. I thought there were too many. I mean, how, you know, Jesus, I thought this game was going to go to a tie, so. All right, I've rambled on long enough. What were your impressions? What do you think about the MVP discussion, and, and where do you think, uh, you know, uh, Russell Wilson kind of fits into this? I still think it's Wilson's to lose. I do agree with you. I think that Wilson definitely did enough last night to at least maintain his case and maybe even help it a little bit. Look, anytime you pull out a victory like the Seahawks did last night over an unbeaten team, you have to give credit to the quarterback. And Russell Wilson did, despite the interception, did play a, a very good game last night and played a solid game, kept his team in it. So anytime that happens, you always have to give him his just due. And look, I, I do believe that he is one of the best players in the league. And again, I think that he's he's done enough to help his case to maintain that number one seed but i'm glad that you brought up some points on the mvp race it's become increasingly increasingly reactionary over the course of the last few months and really it is it's absolutely silly and this year seems to be we've seen the gradual erosion of i i want to say the erosion of sports media when it comes to things like this where people live completely in the moment what have you done for me lately we just saw a great game from russell wilson we just saw a great game from lamar jackson we just saw a great game from aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. oh let's anoint them the the mvp of the league it doesn't work that way it's a body of work i don't think you can really start having a healthy mvp debate until you're into the month of december mm -hmm. and the reason being is that at that point you've established what team you are you've established how good you're going to be and which teams are going to be able to uh, uh, to make it to that next level because i'm sorry team success has to factor into this mm -hmm. i know people don't want to hear it but that's exactly what it has to be if you're an mvp if you're a valuable player to a team your team's success has to factor into that. Now, does it mean that you have to have the most wins in the league? Absolutely not. But the MVP, the concept of an MVP, is the most valuable person to that club. You take that person off of that club, they don't win. That, to me, is the criteria. And I think to start saying that people are MVPs just based on one game or a couple of games worth of a body of work, to me, is a disservice to everybody involved, including that person, because it puts them in an echelon that maybe they don't belong in. And then all of a sudden, you start to see difficulty. And if they falter and they don't quite live up to it, 
then you have issues going from there. So that's pretty much where it is. And again, folks, sorry for my voice. I've been battling a terrible sinus infection and things over the course of the last few days. So uh, if I get a little gravelly, please don't, uh, don't, don't take any offense to it. But uh, in any case, uh, that's where I stand on the MVP race. But an amazing, amazing game last night. Really, really great one. It, it lived up to the hype mm-hmm. and very few games over the course of this season have lived up to the pregame hype that were given to them prior to it. Yeah, and, and and one more comment on the the whole MVP thing, and it, it's not just like it's it's like week to week. It's literally game by game. Like you don't even have to finish. Like if you have a one o'clock game and you have a good game, that gives you an advantage. And that's kind of like what I said when we opened up. Like you know, people were all of a sudden on Monday morning talking about, oh, Lamar Jackson's the front runner for MVP now. Well, it's like how could you possibly make that uh, make that case when the guy that has been you know what should be a near unanimous you know, consensus front runner at this point hasn't even played yet and is about to play on Monday Night Football against an undefeated team. So it, it, again, it just kind of speaks to how silly and, and really stupid it is. But hey, we need to fill time and it is somewhat interesting. And, and again, I think the race is starting to shape up a little bit. Um, again, you don't want to make any sort of uh, definitive uh, uh uh, assumptions at this point because again i mean we're we're barely into november so you know we got we got to figure this out first there's a lot a lot of time left i mean hell you know you could have a guy like you know say tom brady goes out and has three of the best games of his career or whatever in the next three weeks against re- three really good opponents guess what you're probably going to throw him in the mix too or at least <laughs> i will and uh you know listen to everyone bitch and moan so and i apologize i I don't usually say moan on television but um (laughs) i did this time um okay so yeah anyways look this this game was fantastic we had a lot of back and forth action i mean we had this is great this happened twice this weekend obviously in this game but we had a a defender literally take a ball away (laughs) from a player and (laughs) i know i know you remember this but it reminds me of the teddy brewski play against against the absolutely Yep, just and, ripped it right yep, out of his hand. Yep, and 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 it's I love those plays because it just it's 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 just a pure fight for the ball and and in this case it was uh you know a pretty crucial turnover that obviously, you know, kind of changed the the way this game went. Um you know, look, I I I think I learned a, I don't know if I say I I don't know. I don't want to say I learned something about Jimmy G, but I wasn't necessarily too impressed with him for the mo- I mean, he played well for like 70% of the game, but he made some pretty bad and he got fortunate. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, that first drive of overtime, he was trying to give that game to Seattle. Um, there, there's instances where a defender can almost pick off a ball that was deflected or just, you know, kind of just got hit up in the air or whatever. And those, those things happen. But um, Jimmy made two really, really bad throws that he was lucky that wasn't picked off. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think this kind of, shows you that you know kind of where he is as a quarterback he's a i i I, again i don't want to use the term game manager because i think that's it's it's, that's an incredibly short-sighted uh uh you know analyst uh you know breakdown of what he does but i don't think he's that quarterback yet who's going to put the team on his shoulders and win a huge game and that's not to say that he can't get there. I just don't think he's that guy right now. And it, it, it's clear that this 49ers team is built around that defense and kind of just the, the efficiency of the offense. Your thoughts? Yeah, 
Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Big surprise there, folks, right? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think my, my, my good friend and colleague hit the nail on the head, but I'm bumps. In any case, uh, I, I, <laughs> um, I almost had it. <laughs> you almost had it. Almost yeah. had it. But uh, there we go. <laughs> See, that sounds a lot better. That's that's yep. that's actually somewhat very similar to, to, to the drum rolls I used to put off. So, oh, you know, you I'm go. very impressed with that. The soundbite is very good, my friend. But um, no, when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo and what we saw last night, Look, I, I think you did see a little bit of what some analysts were concerned about when it came to Jimmy, and that is decision-making. And I think that that's something that you have to be able to play through. He had several fumbles last night. Decision-making sometimes passes, giveaways were not always the best. And if you're going to be a quarterback of a team that has the expectations that the San Francisco 49ers have you have to shore that up a little bit. Again, the 49ers definitely built around their defense, also built around their running game. You don't want to uh, I don't want to uh, take too much away from the San Francisco 49ers running game and what they've been able to do. It's a huge huge part of what they do. But again, I, I do believe Jimmy right now has some issues that he needs to work out and I think eventually I think he'll be all right with that. I, I do see him being a solid quarterback in this league for many years to come. I certainly don't look at this and say, oh, he was exposed and he's done oh, and no, that's no, no. it. He's still got way too much talent for something like that. Way too much. But when it comes to his ascent to the top or people saying that, oh, the Patriots definitely made a terrible decision. Jimmy is the better quarterback. He's much better than Brady and all. I, I think that, you know, to me, I saw a lot of that last night in this game and it really puzzled me. It really, really surprised me because, you know, as well as I, we pump Jimmy G's tires on here quite often. Me more so because, you know, we share the same Italian American heritage. But there's a natural bias. There's a natural Absolutely. There's oh, uh, there's a natural bias. Absolutely. He's a friend of ours, as we love to say <laughs> in uh, in the, in the Donnie Brasco sense. You know, he's he's a made guy in in, in, in Italian American circles. But in any case, when it comes to Jimmy, you know, to me, I think you have to be, if you're looking at it objectively. You look at a guy like Brady and the decision that he makes and the way he's able to read defenses. I don't see that in Jimmy G just yet. And that's not to say, like you said, he can't get there, but I don't see it from him yet. So I think this game was a real uh, I think this game was a wake up call a little bit for the uh, the San Francisco 49ers, knowing that if they have to grit it out and grind it out, there are teams out there that may be more well equipped to be able to win those types of close games. They're going to have to learn how to win these close games in order to be the team that everybody thinks they are. I still think they're the best team in the NFC, but I think the Seahawks put everyone on notice last night. It was a great, solid team effort by the by both teams. Oh, no, absolutely. And again, I mean, we're not sitting here. Uh, first of all, I, I don't think there's any debate. I don't think it'll ever change. The Patriots made the right decision. I, I don't care if Jimmy Garoppolo ends up winning a couple Super Bowls with the 49ers. The Patriots made the right decision, if only for the fact that since the trade, they've won two Super Bowls and, and gone to three. Obviously, yeah, Jimmy was was still on the roster at the time. Uh, of 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 winning one of those Super Bowls and got traded, but you know what I'm saying. Like the the decision by the Patriots was the right one, and and it still remains the right one because I still think Brady is the better quarterback at this point in time, and and certainly more capable of making a play. And and look, you know, I I kind of joke that these teams had too many possessions in overtime, and and you know, I love this game for so many reasons. Uh, one of them was the fact that it, it just continues to make that stupid debate that, oh, team, every team needs a chance. Every team needs a chance, blah, blah, blah. Look, both these teams had five chances. Uh, Seattle had one more chance than 49ers. Where's the outcry? 
you know, where's, oh, the 49ers should have had a chance to, to come back and, 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 and tie that game after that field goal. It's like, no, it's, it's, you, you make the opportunities that you had. And I, I made a comment to, you know, specifically speaking about Kansas City, and we're, we're going to get to them in just a minute. And I'm excited to because I have a lot, a lot to say about that. But, you know, last last year it was like, oh, the 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 Patriots won because of a coin toss. No, you, the Patriots won because they made more plays and they made the plays that happened. I think we sit here and watch Tom Brady in overtime and we just, oh, well, it's not fair. Of course they were going to score. Well, we saw last night. It's not that easy when you win the coin flip to just go down and score football. You know, score you know score a touchdown right. and win a game. And we we take it. You know, maybe not us, but I think people in general take it for granted when you see guys like Brady do it, who are just. Their decision making is hard to match in situations like that, and they deliver time and time and time again. And uh, you know, it, at times we sit there and think, "Wow, it just—it's so easy for him." Because, like, how many times, you know, going into an overtime game, especially if the Patriots win the coin toss, you're sitting there saying, "Like, oh, this game's over," because not because the coin toss gave him an advantage, but because we know Tom's going to make. The, it doesn't matter what he did for two quarters, one quarter, three quarters, doesn't matter. He's going to make those plays. And I think, you know, those are the little things that obviously separate him from from the pack. And and as much as I love Russell Wilson, I mean, we, we've seen, obviously, the Super Bowl, now, you know, overtime interception, those things, you know, those, those can linger. Fortunately, he got the job done. But, um, you know, it's about getting the job done when you have those opportunities. And uh, Jimmy G didn't do it last week or last night. Although, again, I mean, we're sitting here talking about if a field goal goes in, it's a whole different story than 49ers and 9-0. Russell Wilson probably just torpedoed his chance for an MVP. And, you know, Jimmy G might be the next big thing. So it, it just, it just kind of speaks volumes as to how, how much these games and, and the emotions and reactions of these games just kind of, are, are all willy-nilly and just bouncing all over the walls here. So um, just just kind of like my commentary right there. I think I hit like six different points, but <laughs> really didn't hammer home any of them. So um, No, I think you hammered home one, and there's one that I definitely good. want to expound upon a little bit. And I'm that glad is, at least one. <laughs> and that is the overtime rule, and that is going down, scoring a touchdown. It is not that easy, folks, and I love the argument, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to call out here, I'm going to say it, Chiefs fans, we've heard over and over and over again, well, you didn't give us a chance to score, well, you didn't give us a chance to have the football. Yeah. Well, all right, take that argument on its on its heels. You say, okay, well, your defense wasn't able to stop Tom Brady. Oh, well, we don't have a good defense. It, it, it should have it gotten in the hands of Patrick Mahomes. Well, two things, two things pigeonhole that argument. One, if you don't have that good of a defense, probably don't belong going to a Super Bowl in the in the first place. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if you do, you know, if you do buy into the fact that you think Mahomes should have had the football, then where are all the arguments about? Oh, football's a team sport. Football's a team sport. Quarterbacks are not, a, you know, the quarterback wins are not a stat. Then there you go. And those are two, I think, hypocritical arguments that a lot of fan bases and not just Chiefs fans. You know, I'm calling them out right now simply because it's. A situation where we've heard so many times about they didn't get a chance to possess the football. They didn't get a chance to possess the football. It's not that easy to do. You have to give Tom Brady and his offense credit for marching down the field, finding the holes in this Kansas City defense, and being able to score and win a game on the road. I think that really is another factor that a lot of people don't you know, put into this as well. And look, the flip side is true. If you have a defense that is able to make a stop, 
that's something that you need to be proud of. That's something that predicates your team in a better shot at being able to go and win a football game. So that's the, the expounding that I wanted to put on that point. I think you made a great one, but I just wanted to expand on that a little bit and kind of, you know, I think put that argument to rest that, oh, every team should have an opportunity to to get the ball in overtime. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the overtime rules are fine the way they are. Yeah, and uh, like, look, we saw both teams last night make crucial stops, uh, defensive stops. So yeah, I know, I understand both those teams' defenses are better than what the Chiefs were last year. I'm not debating that, but I mean, we're just talking about the Chiefs making a simple stop on third down and, and having three opportunities to do that. You you do any of those, uh, make any one of those stops, you have a chance in overtime. So again, this, <clears throat> to me, it was just, it was fun to watch that for so many reasons because... Of course, I'm petty, and I, I, I look at that as an opportunity to kind of hammer home this point that overtime rules are fine. Um, it's just the way they are, and, and again, the, the, the stats, the, the results don't speak to an issue. Um, everyone wants to say, oh, you know, this this team, Team X who wins the coin does. Has this. No, they don't. I mean, only I, I think that the split is something since the, the field goal rule was incorporated. I think the split is something like 52 percent of the teams that win the coin toss win the game. And that's not saying they win it on the first drive. That's just saying at the end of the day, they win it because guess what? Seattle won the coin toss last night. It took them nine minutes and 57 seconds to win the game. So, um, you know, they technically won the game. I think it's the percentages are far lower for a team that wins the coin toss winning it on that first drive. It's just, you know, when you see the Patriots do it, you get frustrated because it's like, oh, well, of course they went down. Well, the reason they did that is because they have the greatest quarterback of all time who performs at the highest level in those situations. And, um, you know, and this is something I said last week, and I don't remember on what show or what day or whatever. You know, I'm I'm still trying to figure out basic Monday through Friday schedule here. So you know, you're gonna have to bear with me. Uh, I said last week, not every touchdown or not every uh, drive is created equal. Um, situations are are, are key, and um, you know, we're we're gonna transition to that uh, Kansas City game, and everyone you know is ooing and on over the return of Patrick Mahomes, and I'm excited he's back. And and again, a lot of my commentary around him is more a reaction to the commentary about him. So when I say these things, it's generally to kind of offset the the wild media that you know goes on social media and says, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. You know, speaking of like no look passes, when you we saw last week Matt Safford make two incredible no look passes and not a peep from the media. So it's it, it's all about media hype and all that stuff. Well, you know, say oh well. Uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, threw 400-something yards yesterday, three touchdowns, and he didn't – they had a chance at the end of the game to win that game, and they failed. And that carries more weight than a dump-off pass to Tyreek Hill who takes it 60 yards or Miko Hardman who takes the pass 60 yards in a game – in the regular season game in the middle of the third quarter. It just, it does. It carries more weight when you make those plays at the end of the game. And they did not make those plays. Um, and I, I, I put it out a tweet yesterday. And, and again, this isn't saying this is a bad thing, but it just kind of speaks to this crazy narrative surrounding uh, Tom Brady and every other quarterback in the league. 26, or I'm sorry, 23 of Patrick Mahomes' 36 completions came from the five-yard line and behind. So, again, these, these balls are only traveling five yards past the line of scrimmage. And uh, of those 23 completions, 12 of them came at or behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, people sit there and call Tom Brady a dink-and-dunk quarterback. Well, 
you know, we've been watching and seeing this with with our own eyes. This is a situation where the Chiefs offense, their weapons in particular, do a lot of the work. I'm not okay. I'm not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes. But we just need to pump the brakes a little bit on this kid because because I don't want to I don't want to dislike him because of the over the top uh, admiration that the the media praises on him. I mean, they're putting up stats last night like they won the game, and it's like at the end of the day, you didn't win the game. You didn't make the plays at the end of the game to win that. So, I, I don't know. I, I again, I'm, I'm starting to sound like this just just old curmudgeon. <laughs> That's what I am. Just a just a just a, a grouchy thirty something year old. 20, you know, 30 something. Okay. Everyone knows I'm already in my 30s. So I'm not going to sit here and lie, but you know what I'm saying? I just, I don't want to come across as that guy, but I'm trying to put things in perspective and kind of just point out the hypocrisy and how, you know, fans, media, whoever judge player by player. It's just, it's, it's silly. And uh, you know what? The Chiefs are in a bad spot right now. They, they've lost four games. They've lost the last three with Patrick Mahomes. Um, the defense isn't that great. Uh, and there's still issues on offense. Yes, they're explosive, but you know you can't sustain uh, any sort of long-term success by by just you know banking on big plays. Uh, you have to be able to sustain drives. You have to drive down the field, pick up chunks here and there, kill the clock. And and I just haven't seen them do that consistently, especially against good teams. No, you're absolutely right, and they they haven't. And I you know. <laughs> It's tough. I know you mentioned being petty earlier, and I, and I I feel the same way. And you know, yeah, I called out Chiefs fans this morning and said, "Oh, if you don't have a defense, your team shouldn't be in the Super Bowl." You know, there are we take shots at fan bases all the time. I mean, it's simply what we do in our business. But at the same time, when you look at a guy with the talent of Patrick Mahomes, and he really, I mean, considering the injuries that he's had, and you can debate the seriousness of, of it or, or whatever, but the fact of the matter is the guy had to sit out a couple of games because of an injury, came back, made a dynamic play, and really made enough plays to help his team win. At the same time, I, I think the expectations that are put on some of these guys' shoulders is is really really unfair to them. And you're seeing the same thing with Lamar Jackson right now as well. I think that's also a big part of this. You need to be able to understand with these guys that they're going to make mistakes. They're going to have moments where they don't look prolific all the time. I think the media is so over-anxious to see someone be able to succeed and have sustained success that isn't wearing a Patriots uniform that they're going to continue yeah. to talk up these these players. And that's not. I'm not saying that as a Patriots homer. I'm truly not, folks. I'm saying it because I believe that that's really what the national narrative is anybody but that team because we're so sick of watching them win all the time we're so sick of seeing them and look ian and i will both admit it if we weren't patriots fans we'd be sick of them too there's no question about it you don't want to see the same teams winning every single year year after year unless you're a fan of them so there's a lot of that narrative that's in the media that's in ingrained with people because they just want so badly to see something succeed and get that sustained success and knock the king off of his throne so that way someone new can can uh, uh, can ascend to that but i think we do have to pump the brakes with a lot of these young quarterbacks simply because i don't think we've seen really what they're going to be mm-hmm. yet i i just don't believe that well and 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 i can't remember who it was someone brought up a great point it's like 
do people forget Robert Griffin III? And, and this is speaking about <laughs> Lamar Jackson. And, and I'm, I'm surprised because he was in that game. He ultimately made a play in that game. But he had this incredible great first season. And, you know, unfortunately, things didn't work out for him. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to get injured, all that stuff. I think I do like Lamar Jackson's game quite a bit. But, you know, again, people are so quick to praise. Again, this is another example of the hypocrisy. And I said this before they even started blowing this team out, I said, none of this counts. None of this matters because the Bengals, according to Twitter and analytics, you know, at least when it comes to talking about the Patriots, are not a real team because they're 0-8 and they were terrible. So we heard for eight weeks, oh, you can't, you know, despite the, the Steelers being a good team and, and no one wants to bring that up, they conveniently leave that out of the equation. But, you know, we, we heard from eight weeks, oh, who do they play? You know, you can't really judge them on this. And then yesterday you're you know Jim or John Harbaugh is telling Lamar Jackson he's changed the game and it's like guys come on like you know don't you know what why is why does everything have to be so uh so much hyperbole I mean it is it's it's just like everything's the greatest that's ever happened or the greatest this or you know no one's ever done this when you know we've seen three quarterbacks do exactly that that this weekend so right. you know it's just it, it it does get tiresome and it does like I said it it, it it makes me feel a bit of, a, I guess, sports animosity towards certain players that get, uh, you know, this over-the-top praise. And again, it's not any sort of jealousy. I mean, trust me, people sit there and say, oh, what are you, just uh, insecure? It's like, no, trust me. As a Patriots fan, I am the most secure person that, that could ever live. <laughs> like, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing that makes me insecure or uneasy. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and, and uh, Lamar Jackson win the next three Super Bowls. I don't care. Like that doesn't matter to me. I'll root against them, sure, but to me, it, it it's not even a question as to who you know uh, uh, who is uh, insecure in these debates, and it's everyone but Patriots fans because we we know what we saw, we we know what we've seen, um, we we know the hypo- hypocrisy because we see it every day. I mean, it's just it to me. I I I mention it and I bring it up because it, it to me it's it's funny and. Um, it's great to content to talk about because again, it's we see examples of it each and every week of how, you know, the Patriots are covered, and Brady's covered versus how every other team is covered, and and like you said, I mean, a lot of it just has to do with okay, we're we're sick of this. So, uh, and this is a great transition to the next game I'm going to bring up, and that's the uh, that's the Atlanta Falcons and the Saint uh, New Orleans Saints, who naturally we had one game, team coming in on a six game losing streak, one team coming in on a six game winning streak, and guess who won? The team on a six-game losing streak, <laughs> and I don't hear an, a peep about Drew Brees falling off a cliff or uh, it's time to uh, consider uh, this his career is over at age forty. No, I mean we we've been hearing that about Tom Brady for the past six years, and there's nothing to suggest that's even remotely true. But Drew Brees is not Tom Brady, and and Drew Brees is kind of that you know the guy who never quite got that recognition. He never quite won that MVP. Um, I think we brought it up, and you, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, because again, we we do so many of these shows. Sometimes I kind of I kind of forget who I I speak to sometimes. But I brought up the question of how how did the, what if the Saints decide they're they're going to move on from Drew Brees? I mean, you got a Teddy Bridgewater who's set to become a free agent. I, I don't imagine that you can afford to pay both of them. I don't imagine Teddy Bridgewater is going to sit back and sit on the bench again. I think he wants to be a starter. I think he's ready to be a starter. And you have a Drew Brees who's 40 years old, who even before this injury last year had trouble pushing the ball downfield, um, kind of tailed off at the end of the season. And, you know, it's kind of following all the classic signs of the, you know, 
player getting old and quote unquote falling off a cliff. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that question out to you yet again. Did, did the Saints decide it's it's time to move on from Drew Brees? Because I I think honestly it might be the right decision just based on age and the fact that you have a guy that's fully capable of winning football games and and guess what they won a lot of football games with him under center in Teddy Bridgewater they truly did and look you know I've bought into the Saints hype as much as anyone Mm -hmm. and I think that you know for one game it could be an anomaly so again I caution people pump the brakes let's see how the Saints respond to this let's see how Breeze responds to it let's Mm -hmm. see how he's able to come out now and respond to a game where the Saints should have won there's no question about that but at the same time, I think you make a very interesting point. This team looked energized with Teddy Bridgewater under mm-hmm. center. He definitely is capable of handling the load. They beat some teams you know, with him, and he was able to keep them undefeated while Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and look, there's very few people in the league that I hold in as high a regard as I do Drew Brees. And I, I just I love his game. I love mm-hmm. you know the, the way that he conducts himself on and off the field truly class act but great player regardless whether you're a class act or not on the field is you know is is one thing what you do when you know in between those whistles is what defines you as a football player and breeze is certainly a hall of famer but there does come a time where players just simply can't answer the bell yes tom brady is 42 years of age he's going to continue to get older he's not aging in reverse i know a lot of people like to believe he is but he's not but he's still playing at a very high level. You still can't make the justification that it's time to move on from Tom Brady because he's not getting the job done anymore. It'll be interesting to see in the next couple of games. If you're a Saints fan, keep a very, very sharp eye on this next game coming up and the, and the week after. You have to see a sustained ability of Drew Brees to be able to carry this team. If he writes the ship and these next two games comes out and plays very well, then no, I don't think it's time to move on from him. However, if he does come out and struggle continuously, even if it's just for one more game, then you have to wonder if the consistency is still there. Any quarterback, any good quarterback, as long as they're physically able to, can dial it up for one more good game. Mm. But if you can't put together that that string of good games in a row, then an interesting argument. And, and you know you could have a lot worse guys waiting in the wings than Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and, I, and look, I don't, I don't think I, I'm not suggesting that they make the move this season. I think this is more of a you have a big decision to make in the off season. Do you go? With oh Sam? yeah, definitely. Do, yeah, I'm you, glad you clarified that because that's my point as well. Yeah, because it's like I mean, look, you're you're gonna ride with Drew Brees the rest of the season, no matter what. I mean, that's just how it should be, and and he deserves that. I just you know, again, you're you're in a position where you have again, uh, Eddie Bridgewater is not under contract. You would have to give him a new contract. Drew Brees is already right. past forty, and again, there, there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that maybe he's not quite the same. And you know, if it ke- continues to struggle, and and you made a great point, all you really need is that one good game. And you know, I'll bring up Peyton Manning, and not to say that they're on the same level, because obviously Peyton was dealing with, you know, neck injuries and all that at the end of his career. But Peyton had one really good, really one really good drive against the Patriots. But his just him, his presence on the field in 2015 was enough to help uh, help that team beat the Patriots, who obviously, you know, were a good team, but didn't match up with the Broncos defensively. And, you know, despite all his struggles, the nine touchdowns and whatever, 17 picks or whatever he had that year, Peyton Manning delivered. And I think that's what the Saints are kind of hoping for. But at, this, at the end of the day, they don't expect him to 
you know, go what he's going through and then all of a sudden turn it around next year when he's getting closer to 41. So, and again, this is another example of, yes, not every player is capable of playing well into his 40s. Again, this is another situation where we're taking Brady for granted or what what have you, but it's going to be an interesting decision to make. I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I'm saying, I honestly think the Saints should just go with Bridgewater. Um, you just you have an opportunity to transition from one genera- generationally great quarterback to a guy who's a former first round pick and and really has a pretty I don't want to say high ceiling it's 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 uh, there's a lot of potential for him in this team especially for the team that's has been uh, getting better over the years defensively and getting a bit younger so I think the Saints team can certainly benefit from making that tough decision but um, we'll see we'll see how it plays out not a not every uh, uh, owner is able to uh, rid the sentimentality when it comes to making these decisions. And if anyone is deserving of, of a little bit of extra, it's Drew Brees and what he's done for that city and all that. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But that was a very, very ugly loss. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be interested to see what the national reaction is over over the course of the next uh, few weeks. But, um Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! We got about fifteen minutes left. It's it's going, it's going by pretty quickly. It's what happens. Absolutely, when you have a crazy yeah. Monday full of uh, full of nonsense and games to talk about. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, what what can you say about them? Are, are you know they they got to be playing uh you know pretty damn good football right now, and and that's I you know and I. Uh, I I don't give I don't generally give a lot of credit to Mike Tomlin. I think he's a bit overrated as a coach. Um, I think he had a, a really good situation when he came in, and to his credit, he's managed to keep it together. But I, I think he's done a fantastic job with the Steelers team, who obviously has dealt with injury issues, player issues, so on and so forth. You know, dating back to Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and obviously Ben Roethlisberger getting injured. But um, they are now sitting pretty comfortably and 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 really who would have thought that they they would be competing for a playoff spot at this point i i it's, it's surprising yeah it's amazing i mean you think back to when the steelers traded from fitzpatrick and everybody absolutely lambasted them about that why are you going to do that oh why are you giving up oh this is steelers they're falling apart their organizations in disarray this is going to be crazy well they saw something in what they knew they needed to improve and obviously you know the loss of ben roethlisberger was was tough for them to take but you know credit mason rudolph and the team that they've been able to put together and string together wins uh it is impressive and you do have to give Tomlin his just due this is a team that so could have easily imploded at so many times even going back to last year Le'Veon Bell's contract situation the whole Antonio Brown situation this is a team that very easily could have carried that over this year and completely fell flat he was able to at least get this team motivated you know distinctly enough to be able to win and and play some meaningful football so you know if you're a Steelers fan you have to be feeling pretty good and I don't blame you right now you should be this is a team that had, that had no expectations all of a sudden they're showing a lot of signs of life makes you wonder if Ben's days may be done in Pittsburgh you know not a lot of people are talking about that uh, you know it's it's very very interesting that the Steelers are playing some of their best football right now without their franchise quarterback under center. Mm-hmm. We've heard Ben Roethlisberger say several times that, you know, I'm ready to hang it up. I'm ready to hang it up. I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this. 
he eventually does come back to the table. But you have to wonder if this time, even though he said publicly he expects to be back, you have to wonder if the time away from football may, you know, may, may be exactly what he's he's wanted. I'm just saying it's it's worth throwing the possibility out there. Yeah, and 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 look, I mean, we're we're setting ourselves up for quite a bit of quarterback upheaval if all these things come to fruition in the off season, and and that um you know that's that's not even mentioning the whole Cam Newton saga that we've we've talked about before, uh and and we're gonna get into this a little bit more throughout the week. And so again, since we didn't have a Monday show, we we were unable to focus solely on the Thursday or Sunday games on uh, Monday. So we we're gonna sprinkle a little bit of that talk in on Wednesday because we have a. Uh, we have Brian Snow of Snowman in the morning coming up here for our crossover, and we're gonna we're gonna talk some NBA action with him in just uh, just a moment, and uh, get you ready for his uh, show that kicks off at 9 a.m. coming up here on both Sportscaster and, of course, Full Press Radio. So, um, the uh, the biggest thing that I've taken away, and, and look, I, th- I think we have him on the line now. Brian, good morning. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm I'm guessing Mike Mike might have been cut off. So let, let me see. Mike, are you there? Michael? Nope. <laughs> no, Michael. Let me I'll I'll get him back on the line. It's okay. We 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 go through these little technical little hiccups every time we we add you on here, but that's not going to dissuade us from keeping to do that because we love having you do our little crossover here, at Snowman. So, first off, I we we've been talking about the NFL Real quick, I, I want your impressions of what we saw last night, and uh, I made the point that, yes, I think Russell Wilson is still the MVP candidate, but had he won that game without throwing that interception, I think he puts the nail on the coffin in terms of wrapping that award up, and it's just basically cruise control from here on out. What were your impressions of last night's game? Game of the year, number one. Number two, even though the 49ers lost, you have to applaud mm-hmm. Their fight in getting back in the game. Their defense kept them in the game. And yes, Jimmy Garoppolo made a lot of mistakes last night. But there's one thing that he shares with Russell Wilson. And I believe this is Jimmy Garoppolo's coming out party for this reason. The guts that he showed to get his team offensively back in the game when the defense gave them opportunities Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. No, and, and really, that's that's what it's about, is seizing those opportunities. Everyone's like, oh, well, you did this in the first quarter. Well, it doesn't matter. If you get an opportunity to win the game late and you deliver, that's the biggest factor to me. And and look, you know, I, I mentioned it to Mike before we pulled you on here that we're, we're talking about a missed field goal that really didn't have a chance. And, and I, I, said, no. I said to someone offline, and I wish I would have tweeted this, I was sitting here thinking – this game is really weird. He's going to miss this kick. And that thing didn't have it. That didn't, that wasn't even close. It wasn't even close to hitting. Um, it was, it was off from the, from the, the snap and every, it was just, it was, yeah, it ended it up bad. in the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it just, it was not, that, that looked, Mike mentioned me going out there and trying to kick field goals to, uh, you know, you know, make some money and do all that stuff. Uh, now that, that's basically what I would have looked at. But you think about a couple of plays, you think about that missed field goal and how, if if they had hit that field goal, how things have would have changed narrative wise? I mean, I told Mike, hey, if they hit that, all of a sudden uh, Russell Wilson has torpedoed his MVP candidacy because he threw right. a crucial interception against a team that you're fighting for a division title for. And you think if that ball was just a little bit closer on that deep throw, that like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo has the guts to go and throw that ball. He was he was a few inches away from connecting, and all of a sudden. 
you know, you're talking about a potential game-winning touchdown throw. So um, little things about this game just really swung momentum uh, from one team to the next. And I, I thought it was, inc- like you said, incredibly entertaining. And I love when we get these things on national television. So the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on here today, uh, a s- Snowman, aside from the fact that we love having you on, and uh, I'm glad to hear that Mike is connected because <laughs> we lost you when, it, when we brought you on. So <laughs> I'm sure you could have heard us. But uh, the Boston Celtics are the me. best team in the NBA. I will finish your sentence. Oh, Boston man. Celtics, not Angeles Lakers. Thank God for that. The Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA. And the Celtics are playing the same way the 49ers are. And I mean that in this context, and I'll explain it during the show. They're playing with house money right now because mm-hmm. no one gave them a chance to do this. No one. No, it's a, it's a, it's a great it's a great point. I mean, look, I mean, I had good expectations. I thought, you know, the whole, you know, adding Kemba over Kyrie was going to be addition by subtraction and they were going to be a, a better unit together, you know, and I thought they were going to have some success out of that. Um I didn't expect them to play this well against some really good teams too to start the year. I mean, they've had some pretty pretty big victories already. I mean, of course, you know you're you're still looking at a few games, especially against some of the teams in the West. Uh, you know, circle on the calendar as kind of that litmus test, and and even with and it's a it's a terrible loss to have uh, almost said Josh Gordon, uh, Gordon Hayward out uh, for what you would assume is probably going to be at least a month, maybe a little bit more. He has decided to get that surgery so we're, we're going to find out more about his timetable for return but I feel like this team is so much more capable of handling losses that like that throughout the season that you, you just got a next man up and, and it looks like guys like Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown are starting to uh, uh, evolve post Kyrie and I think that was kind of a lot of the hope of, of Celtics nations. A- am I incorrect with this? Do you really think uh, losing Kyrie was such a great thing for this team? Losing Kyrie was the best thing for this team. I'm sorry. I hate to say this about Kyrie, and I've always felt this about Kyrie. He's not a natural leader. He had his time around LeBron since 2016 to develop into that man. But if you want to think about it, two people torpedoed that. Number one is Dan Gilbert by allowing LeBron to return to Cleveland. And number two is um, LeBron snatching the spotlight away from Kyrie. That Cleveland team was supposed to be built around Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And the, I'll give you a third thing that torpedoed Kyrie. And it's going to torpedo Zion Williamson, which I pointed out in my snowman's take yesterday. Not enough time in college. Mm-hmm. You, you got to develop. You got to develop. I mean, not everyone. And, and again, we, 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 we certainly do not miss an opportunity to bash LeBron. <laughs> I mean, nope. no, we will take every opportunity that's given to us and we will deliver. Trust me, I can guarantee that. However, we are willing to give the guy credit where credit's due and not every player can come right out of high school or right out of one year of playing college basketball and and develop into the player that they should be. You know, LeBron, again, for, for many reasons, yes, he's a talented player, his size, everything like that, attributed to his immediate success, but not every player is capable of doing that. And I think you bring up a great point that, you know, you think back to some of, uh, you know, before the Kevin Gar- Garnett's and the and the um, Kobe Bryant's coming right out of high school, you had guys that played three, four years of college. You developed, you saw Michael Jordan do that. You know, you saw him, you know, 
build a foundation at North Carolina where it's like, oh, that guy actually played at North Carolina, and you're not sitting there and being like, oh man, those those classic Duke led uh, uh, Kyrie Irving teams. No, no one says that because who the no. hell know who the hell knows no. that he played at Duke? I mean, I know because I looked exactly. it up <laughs> and I, yeah. I reminded myself. But I mean, really, hey, you, but but you're familiar with names like Magic Johnson in Michigan State, yep. um, Indiana State, Larry Bird, Akeem Olajuwon, Houston, Clyde Drexler, Houston. Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, North Carolina. You're familiar with that because of the way they played and, listen carefully, LeBron fans, developed Mm -hmm. in college. Okay? Here's the biggest thing that I take from Michael Jordan's time at North Carolina, and he pointed this out himself, and many people have pointed this out as well. When Michael Jordan was in North Carolina, what was one of the classes he took? Sports casting. Mm Mm-hmm. He built himself into a personality by learning about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and see, and that's something that when we see it all the time, because I, I just don't think uh, LeBron's too self-aware or he's too self-aware of himself and, you know, hashtag wash king and all that stuff. And he kind of plays to, mm-hmm. to the media crowd. And look, he's he's the media darling. I mean, for the most part, like he gets the praise and, and the admiration that, you know, it, it goes a little bit over the top. Although although I do feel like he does, especially now, have a lot more detractors uh, in the sense that like some of these other guys may have or what he had earlier in his career. But uh, no, I, I think, again, that's a, that's a great point. You, you got to be able to develop. And in this game, I think it fosters more of, you know, there, there's not there's not the classic ball movement that we that we saw in the 90s. Nope. Um, obviously, it's a three point game now. It's just the nature of how it's how it's played. But that takes away a lot of the quote unquote X's and O's of basketball. It's it's, you know, we just we're going to go down the court and we're going to huck up a three. And, you know, teams are getting so good at it that there's there's no you know, what are you, what are you going to do? You're just going to go down and if it works, it works. And you're going to put up 120 points a night. And if uh, the other team only puts up 115, then guess what? You're happier than a pig, you, and, you know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. you just won the game. So I know, right. I know Mike, Mike's been talking a lot here the last 10 minutes and uh, I'm, I'm going to have to cut his mic off because he just can't stop running his mouth. Uh, Mike, quiet, please. <laughs> uh, I do want I do want to give the floor to you real quick, Brian, before we let you go, because you are shifting from a two-hour program to a three-hour program. So uh, tell us what's coming up here uh, today on Snowman in the Morning. I break down one of the best games of the year and what could possibly be the first of three. The 49ers lost last night, but they showed some guts, but it also came at a price. I'll break that down as well. The Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA, not the Lakers. Who the fuck is? I'll talk about that, and I'll have Chris Pirtle on as well this morning. And I introduced during Hour 3 something we like to call a classic conversation. And when you know what it would be about the NBA All-Star Game and how it is evolved, not evolved. All that today on Snowman in the Morning. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, folks, uh, stay tuned on Full Press Radio and uh, listen to the show. Uh, Brian, Love having you on here. We're going to do this again a couple times this week, and I'm sure we're going to uh, get have a lot of fun doing it. So good luck on the show, and I'll be listening. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. And uh, m- make sure to go ahead and follow him on Twitter. It's at D.A. Snowman's Back. And, of course, the show, it's at SIT Morning on Twitter. And uh, give him a follow and enjoy all this LeBron takes. So, Mike, we're closing it up here. we got two and a half minutes left to go. Um, 
any 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 lasting impressions from this week of football, and uh, what are you looking forward to uh, this upcoming week? Uh, lasting impressions from this week of football is that anything and everything can happen in the NFL. We've seen every major contender now fall either in a terrible game or a close game. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams rebound. Who rebounds the best from a very tough loss? Is it Kansas City? Is it New Orleans? Is it New England Patriots? You know, is it the San Francisco 49ers? These are things that you have to look at with teams that have fallen, taken a tough loss, and come back. That's going to tell us a lot about these teams and where they're going to rank in the pantheon of the NFL's elite as we move toward the playoffs. One thing I did want to touch on, we had talked about, or you had mentioned Gordon Hayward of the Boston Celtics. According to Jim Bontemps of ESPN, um, his surgery was successful yesterday. They're setting a timetable for his return for approximately six weeks. So if you're a Celtics fan, it's going to be a little bit more than a month, maybe a little bit with aggressive rehab. They said it possibly could be just a hair over a month, but they're estimating six weeks right now, which is good news for the Celtics and for Hayward. He's had some injury tough breaks here in uh, Boston, but he's playing very, very well. Hopefully he'll come back and he'll come back strong. So get well soon, Gordon. We're all open for you. No, that's great news. And, and, and again, that, that's the best you can hope for in a situation like that is let these guys ball out and play and uh, get himself healthy because he he was certainly looking like the Gordon Hayward of old and uh, this team is is, is still really good without him but they're they're seeming more and more like a championship contender with him and this whole team working at at full full throttle so that's about wraps us up for the day. I mean, we had a pretty jam-packed Tuesday, so we're going to try to touch on a little bit more uh, football stuff throughout the week. Uh, usually on Tuesdays, we give our power rankings. We will do that tomorrow. We, we will give our uh, breakdown of who we think the best teams in the league are. I think we've talked pretty extensively about the MVP, and I think we're both on, on the same page when it comes to Russell Wilson being the front runner. So... Until then, like I said, stay tuned on Full Press Radio for Snowman in the Morning, three great hours of live sports talk. He's going to break down everything we talked about and so, so much more. But in the meantime, be sure to follow our show on Twitter. It's at FPC Radio Live. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at IGLEN31. And, of course, he is Mr. Mike DeBate. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Until tomorrow, folks, have a great day, and enjoy your Tuesday.